Hey, it's Peter here with MyFSHD. Once again, thanks, Jaeger, for uh, getting us all uh, fired up with uh, the MyFSHD theme music. Um, and, and today's a day to be fired up because we got a special guest with us, Mr. Chip Wilson. Um, Chip is the founder of Lululemon. Um, but y'all may be familiar with him because he is a um, fellow FSHD patient and has recently launched a new venture we're going to be talking about, this $100 million project called Solve FSHD. Um, with a goal of that, exactly that, solving FSHD and and some other things, you know, um, it's, a, it's a bigger picture. So briefly, well, you know me, <laughs> I'm going to want to set the stage a little bit with some commentary. And, you know, I'm not a, a journalist, right? So I'm not going to ask hard-hitting questions like uh, what kind of ice cream he had today. And, uh, well, <laughs> you, you know, I'm, I'm just joking. Um, we all know that uh, journalists went the way of the ivory-billed woodpecker uh, back in the mid 2000s and uh, you know an occasional sighting once in a while but uh, unverified that turns out to be bogus and are, are currently extinct um but scientists are not extinct yet <laughs> and i mean yet because boy it's getting scary out there um but i am a scientist uh, as long as they allow me and uh you know we want to we've looked at his approach and um, from somewhat of a scientific perspective asking them some questions, having a discussion. And I wanted to give an opportunity to frame this in the field from a slightly different perspective. Okay, um, this is a different type of venture. Uh, now, you know, y'all know, I, I've been doing FSHD research since 2002, 2003. We, we've been involved with just about everything out there, worked with a lot of different people. And you know, I, th I think we understand the space pretty well. And I don't think uh, Chip wanted to oversell what he's doing. I think he's actually, you know, a pretty, pretty humble guy. And, um, you know, has not been putting himself out there too much. He's been doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes that y'all don't know about. I, I, we know about it, but, you know, that's, that's been his choice. But this is something that you kind of, it's kind of hard to kind of do this behind the scenes. And so I, I wanted to use this opportunity uh, just, just really to have a, a discussion. I'm actually very positive about it. You're gonna say, "Oh, you know, I said that I'm not a cheerleader." I'm like, "Well, I'm well." To me, you know, what I am or what my perspective is, I will, you know, give you props for things that I think are done well and are great, and I will give you. I'll be a hater when, when, uh, when I disagree, and it can be the same foundation or the same person. I mean, it's just you know, it's just you know, individual things, and so. You know, this is a new venture, and, and I think it's actually filling um, an interesting space that is open in the FSHD field, and it's a different vision. And I think that's something that's been missing. I think people misunderstand, at least in my opinion, what, what is meant by vision, saying our vision is to cure FSHD. That, that to me, is not a vision. That, to me, is a dream, okay? You're hoping to wake up one day and FSHD is cured. Okay, and I, I honestly feel that that's even even organizations can just be in that dream state. You know, if we just raise money and and spend it, it'll it'll be cured. Yes, you need money, but but to me, vision is about understanding the space, understanding really understanding the problems, um, understanding where you can actually make impact. Um, how to, it, it's it's more of a process. Right? It's not just, yeah, yes, we want to cure FSHD. 
um, you know, how are you going to get there? And there, you have to be able to step back and see, uh, and oftentimes see what other people don't see in, in the big picture and see where, you know, there, sure, there's a lot of bottlenecks, but not all of them matter. You know, sure, there's a lot we don't know, but does all of it matter? Um, and, you know, there can be, sure, we need discovery research, and there's a lot of things that you can discover. But, you know, there's also, you know, knowing what we don't know, and not, not even, I mean, not even knowing what we don't know, but being unaware of where impact can come from. Uh, and so casting a wide net, I mean, forget you can't even cast the net to where potentially impact can come from to help cure the disease. And understanding that, uh, you know, even that some of the maybe maybe most important players in this process may not even be aware of FSHD. And, and to make sure that everybody on any industry or any, or any, any place in the world doing something could, could be, could impact FSHD if they, if they even knew that, the, uh, knew about it. I mean, this to me is, is what I mean by, by vision. And so, and again, so you're going to, you know, some people are going to listen to this and I know we get, uh, we get our share of haters because, uh, um, you know, people, well, whatever. I, I know why. <laughs> you probably know why too. Um, but this is what I mean, you know, when I think about vision of being able to, um, how, you know, it's easy to write a check. It's hard to solve a problem. Okay. You need money, but you need, you need sometimes to shake things up. We like to shake things up. We also like to try to step back and integrate everything that's out there and say, where can, where can we make a difference? And this is where I feel that, that we've been very aligned with, with, with chip and, and, you know, even step back. So, so I also want to give you a little bit of history. I'm sorry. I know you want to hear chip, but I'm going to give you a little bit of history. I promise I'll be short. You know, we, you know, um, I, I've heard for years from people in the space. It's, you know, there's this guy, the Lululemon guy, he's got FSHD, he's got billions of dollars and he's just not doing anything. And people are just mad, you know? And first off, that's not, not really true. Um, but that doesn't matter. I didn't know at the time. I, you know, we had heard that he, he didn't want to get in the pool and, and so whatever. Um, you know, you'll, you'll hear that he's been back in Fasio and he has done some things in the, in the background. But at the time, you know, I, I really didn't know. I didn't really care, frankly. I'm just like, we're, we'd, we'd gone along with the standard mechanism. We write grants. We do the foundation thing. We do the NIH thing. Then we slowly plot along, you know, and, and make our way. And you see, we've been close to broke a number of times and whatever. You know, well, we, you know, we published our CRISPR work in 2015, 16 you know, um, that increased at our CRISPR inhibition work, that was actually not funded by any foundation. That was, I was able to put, consider that to be applicable to one of our NIH grants on, on um, mechanisms of FSHD um, therapeutics. You know, it fit, it fit this, it still fit the scope of the grant. Um, we didn't ever, we didn't tell anybody we were doing it. We had no Again, no foundation funding because, frankly, we knew we couldn't trust the foundations and their scientific advisory boards um, to hold things confidential. Um, and, uh, you know, but we did it on a shoestring budget, did it really fast, got it published. It was great. And we allowed all the foundations to put it on their website and say, hey, look what we supported. Because people, you know, the mentality is if people had supported our lab, they could say we generally supported the lab. Therefore, we supported anything coming out of the lab. And they could use our CRISPR work to fundraise and then give the money to other people <laughs> instead of us. Um, and that's kind of the mechanism. We did finally get a grant from the FSHD Society on, on part of the CRISPR project, you know, in retrospect, so they could put their name on it. And, and we're appreciative of that. 
um, other foundations um, like FSHD Global um, would not fund our CRISPR work. They, they said, hey, you're too far away from clinic. And they were correct. We are <laughs> at the time we were too far away from clinic. And if you want to fund something that is going to be directly clinically relevant in the next two years, um, that's fine. That's your mechanism. You're just not going to fund anything because there was nothing at the time that would fit that bill. But that's fine. So, you know, so we funded that. And uh, Carice went and presented our CRISPR work in just a couple of minutes at, at a meeting. She'll talk about that. And uh, and got some interest. And, you know, um, FSHD Canada came to us and said, hey, we really like your CRISPR stuff. How can we help? Boy, you don't get that very often from people. How can we help? We didn't approach it. They approached us. So how can we help? Well, you know, we, you know, we need to make this better. And they gave us $30,000. And four months later, Chris made the most significant advance you could make in our CRISPR technology. She transformed the vector into an FSHD optimized um, cassette and, and went back to, up to Calgary and showed what she had done with their $30,000. And actually, I mean, we didn't realize how important it was, but it was the key thing that she did. And it actually makes um, CRISPR gene therapy likely possible in FSHD, but also in a number of other diseases. It turns out, we've just recently learned this, that this is a huge advance in gene therapy for neuromuscular disease. 30,000 bucks, bang for your buck, okay? And then, um, you know, and so we did that. And then next thing you know, we they said, hey, we wanna come down to Reno and talk to you and see how we can help you some more. And and that's actually the first time we, um, we you know, FSHD Canada, some of their people came down, but, uh, but Chip came with them. And that's when we met him for the first time. I'd never met him before that. And really didn't know much about him. And, um, you know, this is where, to me, vision and the business sense comes into play. And this is, you're going to say that I'm, I'm pandering to Chip or we're, 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 we're sucking up to get money. No, I'm just telling you how it is. Um, I'm appreciative of it, okay? And, and because, you know, what they came and they basically really did put the screws on us and said, okay, fine, you guys are talking big about your CRISPR stuff. Um, they're, they're not scientists. Um, can this go to clinic? You give us a plan that shows how you're going to get this to clinic. Why would they want to see go, no-go points, uh, um, bottlenecks, technology that needs to be developed? I mean, you know, figure out what do you need to do to get this to clinic? Or can you even get it to clinic? And then how can we help? Okay. This is Now that to me, you know, no one had ever done this. No one ever approached us about this. And how much would it cost? And it was this mentality of if you take money out of the equation, just focus 100% on the science. Do you have a cure for FSHD? Do you even have the chance to cure FSHD? Because everyone, well, you know, if we had the money, if we, you hear this all the time. Well, if I had money, I'd, I'd have the cure. If I had money, I have the cure. You know what? Mostly that's not true. Um, <laughs> I just I've seen enough grants where people say at the end of the grant, and then we'll file our IND, or then we're going to go to clinic. And the answer is no, you're not. It's not clinically relevant, even if everything works. You don't have a path to clinic. And at the time, we didn't have a path to clinic. We didn't know. So that was the question. Show us the path to clinic. And and again, nobody had ever really pressed us on that. And then when we said, this is how and we, we put together a plan, so this is how we can do it. And I said, okay. And then they provided, you know, FSHD Canada um, provided us funding to actually one by one, go through those bottlenecks. You know, and then one of the things we needed was, you know, a large animal model, for example. And again, now, <laughs> this was not popular with some of the foundations. Again, the, the, what, you know, how do you know if you have something that's clinically relevant? Well, we really need a large animal model. Again, FSHD Canada stepped up, um, CHIP stepped up, uh, the, the Lewis family in the U.S. Um, stepped up, and uh, FSHD Global, we were able to get them to come in, and, and Chris Carino came in. But not everybody came in. 
Um, but again, this was started by really, you know, us being approached by by uh, by Chip on saying we think this is exciting technology and can you get it to clinic? Because he's that's what he's interested. So the vision is still to cure FSHD. That's the dream. But there was a, a way to go about it. Search the world for technologies, and then you know figure out how you can move. The, the appropriate technology for it. And it's not just with us. There's other technologies. They're backing other people. They're, they're interested in other people, other technologies. It's not just a single one, one shot on goal. It's multiple shots on goal. And so what I, I think we're just very appreciative that they, they put us in the right mindset, right? And it just took someone to do that. Because if, you know, academics, we would have just been plugging along. And you, you think you know what to do. But, but again, you're always constrained by money, constrained by grants, NIH grants, constrained by small foundation things. But more constrained from, you know, you don't really think, can I really get my technology to clinic? I mean, that's the dream. We all say it's the dream, and it just remains a dream. You just because you can just go license the pharma and hope that they do it. But wow, could we do? You know, and and anyway, it just transformed our lab, transformed our mentality, transformed our thinking totally as a group. We shifted everything on path to clinic, go no go points bottlenecks, you know, and just, you know what, and if it doesn't have a path to clinic, you know, we're not doing it. Um, same thing with our diagnostics, same thing with our small molecule program. It is path, and it, and it really is this type of, you know, so, so we're very appreciative of the impact that this has had on us. And I hope that this organization, Solve FSHD, um, has this impact on a lot of people, a lot of other groups, because maybe we don't have the gear. Maybe, you know, there's other, you know, I'm a big fan of other shots on goal. Let, let's have, let's, you know, but I hope that they get this mentality out there to people. On, you know, everyone's going to say, we well, we had that mentality, Jones. You're the only guy that didn't have that. Man. <laughs> no, people don't have that mentality. It is a different, getting to clinic is just a different beast. And, you know, in, in academia, we're all about the science and pharma, in my opinion, they're often about the business. There's got to be an in-between. But to me, the science still has, science still has to drive it. That, that's that's my opinion. And the, and the business somehow has to meet with that. And I think this is a good opportunity almost all of FSHD, where you can have the proper combination of business and science to actually get something really good <laughs> to clinic, in my opinion. All right. Um, but, you know, it's not a 100% cheerleading thing, I will tell you that. Um, <laughs> since you guys are going to call me cheerleader, I know, I know, just because that's that's the way this world works. Um, you know, when, when Chip said he was doing the XPRIZE, I hated it. My whole lab hated it. We also, oh man, someone's got to talk him out of the X Prize. The dumbest thing I ever heard. I was gonna, and, and I thought this was a horrible idea because I thought, well, you're just gonna put everybody competing against each other. You know, human greed, human nature is gonna get in the way. I'm not gonna work with you because I'm not gonna share my X Prize with you, type of thing. Thirty million dollars or whatever it turns out to be, you know, that that people would. And I just thought, you know, this could destroy the field. Quite honest, that was my 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 reaction to it. I don't really understand the XPRIZE or whatever. So I asked Chip about that in this talk. We recorded this a few a week ago. And um, so I just flat out, tell me about the XPRIZE. Actually, now I understand this thing. I learned something from this. See, this is actually, I I actually, I understand what he's talking about and how I hope this is how it works out, that you actually bring in so much more investment. And this gets back to bringing in the people to the field that you didn't even know about, bringing in technology that we weren't even aware of, and they weren't even aware of FSHD. And it's a mechanism to bring this in because maybe the cure, maybe the solve, maybe one of the fixes is out there somewhere or something that can really contribute to the fix, and we're just not aware of it. They're not aware of us. And so that's the mentality behind it. Oh, okay, we'll see how it works out. I'm, I'm, I'm open to it now. I'm open to it, changed my mind. 
Um, we'll see. I'm still a little suspicious, but I, I, I understand. Now I understand the rationale behind it and the reasoning. And I appreciate Chip taking the time to explain that to me because I honestly didn't like it. Um, but no, I think, okay, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, I hope you, I've talked to you enough. Um, I hope you guys uh, uh, enjoy this discussion with Chip. I, you know, we consider um, him a friend and, and a supporter. And uh, uh, Dr. Chris Hameda is going to join me on this. On this, um, they're they're fellow uh, sci-fi nerds, but we don't quite get to that. Um, and uh, and here we go. Hello, Peter. Hey, Chip. <laughs> Hi, Chip. Hi, Chris. How are you? Good. Good to see you. <laughs> so she's coming to us from Hawaii right now. She's yeah. visiting her parents. Oh God. Yeah, it. I'm on uh, you know vacation. <laughs> sort of. All right. So uh, very exciting. So th is this going to be your third or fourth podcast? Is that uh, is that what I understand? Well, actually, now we've you know it's been it's, it's interesting. We have um, this is I think going to be our tenth episode. Oh, because um, I have long one, but then short one. So there was kind of this sort of I started some. So there's the the, the longer one when I have a co-host like Carice or um, or uh, Ryan or somebody or actually Takako was on with the mouse one. That's this one today and then um short ones where i just kind of explain you know i get so many questions from people around the world and i thought sometimes it's just easier everyone probably has the same questions so mm. it's just easier if i just take 20 minutes and just kind of really clarify by some things i do a, a like a 20 minute one on saturday beautiful hey um do you mind if i get a glass of water i can tell i'm gonna i don't want to clear my throat no absolutely yeah no, no problem. Yeah, yeah. 30 seconds oh, i got my pee <laughs> I walk to work every morning, so I get a little bit thirsty. And... Oh, yeah, bad. No, that's fine. Okay, I'll do a brief, <laughs> brief uh, yeah, and then really just, just an informal, you know, I know you do a lot of interviews and stuff, but actually we thought we know each other well enough to just have a conversation about some stuff, kind of rain, we don't really have a plan, just kind of ranging all over about, about <clears> that. Yeah, you know, I'm ready to go. All right, I'm well, I'm gonna. I'm in your hands. <laughs> well, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll do a brief introduction though. That I'm gonna. I mentioned that. Uh, you know, everyone knows who I am on the, for my FSHD, and we have uh, my co-host today is our our CRISPR goddess, uh, Dr. Carice Hameda, um, who you guys know about. You can check out her CRISPR podcast uh, on the episode two, and then also we have the the founder of Lululemon, and he's a serial philanthropist. Um, also was founded of Fascio Therapies and most recently um, founded Solve FSHD and I and this is uh, Mr. Chip Wilson and I think this is going to be the most impactful uh, venture that you've taken on so far because it you know it's Solve FSHD but I was really impressed that you're also aiming to solve a major issue that we all have which is aging and muscle health so so thank you for taking the time out to, to talk with us today Chip. Yeah, I'm super excited. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, you know, it's really exciting. You know, of course, you know, we, we've kind of known this has been in the works for a while. I, I think, so I, I'm talked to a lot of people in the community and, you know, I was, I was a little shocked by some of the negativity that came out initially because people are like, oh, you just suddenly you're getting in. And I think people have misunderstand or they're not aware. You've been supporting FSHD for, for quite a while. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think like a lot of people with any kind of disease that that isn't impactful immediately. Like when I first got uh, diagnosed when I was 32, I I think I was a high level athlete, and um, you know, just for some reason, my triceps it immediately just disappeared on me, and I couldn't understand why. But you know, um, 
if everything else worked, then, you know, uh, you know, that, that, that'll happen to somebody else. And it really wasn't until the age of probably about 52 or 53, I thought, okay, maybe I should start looking at this a little bit more. And, and so I funded a, um, a conference that ended up over in Netherlands, the top FSHD people in the world. Right. And I didn't even go because I was too busy doing something else. And I arranged it all. And, you know, life was still like really, really good. And then, um, you know, it's the reality of it is, you know, probably three, three and a half years ago, I fell flat on my face twice. And I went, you know, this is not, this is not going in the right direction. And I think, sir, if survival is the number one instinct, then I think that started to take over. And that's the, that's the story. Well, you know, I mean, there's two things. I mean, I think this is common. And, and you know, first there's starting with denial. It's kind of people get their diagnosis, they find out what's going on. And they're like, what is this? And then, okay, this isn't me. I don't need, you just kind of like, I hear this all the time talking to patients that they just accepting that you have this and accepting what might the future might hold is actually a pretty tough part. I got to do that first before you can do something about it, you know, and then, um, you know, but you know, your top FSHD conference in 2010, we barely knew what we were doing in the FSHD field back there. <laughs> but, you know, I look at, you know, I've, I've had the, the advantage now of spending some time with, uh, uh, Lauren Ng from the SMA Foundation and just seeing how it just takes one person with the desire to get it done and, and um, you know, to solve that. And then I just finished reading the book Salt and Air about the cystic fibrosis and this new, this new way of operating called uh, philanthropic um, uh, venture capital, so to speak. And, and, and making it, you know, bring the free enterprise into solving the issues is really is really a, a big key to, you know, getting to the other side. So, so th this to me is the whole thing. You know, there are people say you should okay, just the mentality in uh, fundraising, I guess, has been write the check and get out of the way. That's been kind of like it's easy to write a check. Yeah. Um, and there's a system that's in place and you just kind of hope that that system works. And I think some people felt like, well, why don't you just give all your money to these other foundations? They have, because what you're doing is a big pain in the butt. I mean, you got, you got a lot going on. You got a lot of other interests. You know, you could just write the check and let someone else. And I mean, I, I, what really impressed me is what scared other people was starting this whole new thing and saying, you know what, the status quo, the way everyone's been doing it isn't, at least in FSHD, yeah. may not be the best way. And then taking, I mean, I, I look at it as, and this is how I look at Crease as well. I look at it as what you, everyone sees, you know, has the same data. It's the visionary, right? You got to, you got to see something different. You got to, and this is how, I think this is why Lululemon was, you know, every, you know, you saw the space different from everyone else. Carice with her CRISPR stuff and the way she went about CRISPR inhibition. She sees, and I think this is a creativity and a vision that um, is off. To me, that's what's lacking. People say, oh, we just need money. And I think what you need is vision and money. But, and, and so I think to solve FSHD, this idea of looking at other, other foundations that like SMA that have been really successful in this space and saying, what did they do? Bringing in, I, th I think using your business background that's been very successful. Uh, and I don't know you that well, but I feel like you have, have a vision on, you know, that maybe not everybody has a bigger picture vision. And that this actually is great to kind of bring it to not just write a check, but say, we're going to shake it all up and try something different and get it done. And I love it. Well, we started to do this uh, in 2007 when we went public with Lululemon. We had some money and we set up a 
so-called charity in Ethiopia, but we used all our business acumen from Lou Lemon. And it wasn't just a matter of giving things away. It's like, how much do we need to put in development and leadership of people? Um, what are the, um, how do we fund things so that people get a job done and then there's more money and then they get another job done, there's more money. I, I know there's a term for that, but it, um, there, there's something I've also learned that if you give too much money, then it kind of, for some reason, the brain stops working 24 seven and the creative people like you and Carice aren't sitting in the shower thinking about that new great idea because something about too much money takes away the edge of creative yeah. people. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, sure. I, I would love to give the creative people all the money, but that's unfortunately, that's not <laughs> how human beings are built. So. <laughs> I got to tell you, if you look at our back, we have been almost out of business for so long. <laughs> we were always on the, I, mean, I, I put Curry's in tears one day when I said, you just got to get a job somewhere else. We just can't keep going. <laughs> But then look at how successful you've been really in but, the realm of, of FSHD and CRISPR and, and, and the mouse the mice models. And, you know, like you guys are leading so much of the science in this and, and probably because of that, well, oh, you're, because you're really good people that are smart and creative. Well, but I think you're spot on, honestly. Um, NIH, actually, the National Academy of Sciences has done some studies on this and NIH as well about, about labs having too much money. And when the productivity of, you know, your, your bang for your buck, your productivity for dollars, it goes up and up and up, and then you hit a point, it actually goes down because, I, you know, at a certain level, we need things to work. We have to be creative. You have to find your own space. You talk about shots on goal, but some shots are just idiotic. You can't just, people just start trying them all. And, um, and you really got to think, and that's where Carice, this is where I'm blessed by Carice, and, and also in Takago as well, and my great people, is that when, when you need money to do stuff, but you need to be, you have to really think about it, really get the really, what, what is an, an impact? And if you can't do anything, everything, where can you make impact? And so I think, you know, increase now, we just had a conversation in our office on CRISPR. This all just came out of us thinking, what, what can we do that no one else is doing that would really change the field? And, and then she, then I got the brain, she just got it done. And then she showed, and I remember that's what attracted you to us first is you like, you saw her, you saw, you guys saw her CRISPR work and we're like, that's the kind of stuff we want to support. And then and that poured in a little bit more and now we're able to ramp that up. But, you know, it's, well, it's, it's true that the CRISPR work is what um, introduced us to you, Chip, because um, I think I met Neil at the uh, FSH meeting back in Vegas in uh, 2019. Uh, or 2018, I guess. And, and, you know, I gave a really short talk. I mean, it was like five minutes because that's all, that's all the time that was left after all the other uh, panelists had gone over. <laughs> and uh, I remember Neil came up to me afterwards and, and that was the first time I met him. And he told me he was struck by it because it was something different. You know, everybody else was doing traditional drug screens, small molecules, you know, but CRISPR inhibition was completely new and different approach. And um, after that, you and, and uh, Neil through FSHD Canada, you know, funded uh, us to work on our vector designs and really make CRISPR inhibition clinically relevant. Um, you know, and I flew to uh, Calgary to give a talk, but I think you were away at the time, you're you busy. And, um, you know, then you came to our lab in um, September 2019, you know, and that was the first time we all met you and uh, it was wonderful, you know, you really, um, as a patient and, and an entrepreneur, you know, obviously you, you 
really want to understand the science. And so do you think that this is, is the perfect time? Because people have been saying, oh, why didn't you do this earlier? And, you know, um, <laughs> but to me, it's like we, we didn't like Pete mentioned, you know, we didn't have a good target back in 2010. We were just, you know, just getting to the point where we understood the disease as a field. And now, you know, so foundation supported all of that initial work. Those are the shots on goal, the really risky things, because we don't know what's what's going to work. We don't know where all the therapeutic targets are going to be. And uh, that's where small amounts of money can be really helpful, you know, pursuing this, seeing if it's worthwhile or if it's a dead end. But now, you know, there's so many great um, targets for for therapy. I mean, do you feel like this is really the best time to, to throw a, a hundred million dollars into into the disease? Well, I think there's a, thanks, Chris. I think there's a couple things there. One, um, after we did that, uh, funded that conference, everything kind of went silent for a while. And then I found out about a company in the Netherlands, Fascio, which Neil uh, Camarda was, was part of and asked me to be on that board. And I funded that to a great extent with the small molecule, but I could, it just didn't seem to be going anywhere. It right. just, uh, and so it was kind of like, Oh, we'll put more money in this year. We'll put more money in next next year. But um, and so meanwhile, as this has been happening over the last three or four years, we've been noticing that people like yourselves and um, have been coming up. And I'd say maybe four or five other companies we start started to see. I know you were involved with Fulcrum, but at least you know it's it's delving into something that hadn't been done before. And then uh, really, I would say over the last year and a half like the whole FSHD um, world has exploded. Yep. Possibly, I think biosciences as a whole and technology and is moving as, you know, it's bioscience technology seems to be moving as fast as digital technology. And I, and you have to be there on a parallel course. So if people think like it's a, it's been a linear line, it hasn't. And I'd say now we're at that, just past that bottom of the hockey stick where now we're going straight up. Um, I think, you know, bringing in AI and bringing it like CRISPR is a phenomenal new technology, which, which, as far as I can see, is the ultimate solve to FSHD. And, but it's also the highest risk and probably the longest uh, time frame for anything. Right. So, right. so, well, yeah, possibly, but you know, when we Again, we did a million dollar McKenzie study when we, we just didn't want to put a hundred put out a hundred million dollars and say, you know, put it frivolously and where do we put our money? So, you know, the low hanging fruit was making sure we could get registries for patients and which you've done a phenomenal job of Peter. Thank you very much. And then the second um, part was getting clinical studies. Well, you can't get clinical studies until you have patients and you can't do that unless you have a a biomarker. So then that's where our money, you know, our, our low hanging fruit that had to be handled went first. And then on the other end of this is, is well, when I guess a prize, we could do a, a prize of which, you know, like, you know, your team could, could end up winning it. But before, you know, just on that other end of things, you're the, you're, you're the, we have to fund you because you're the, the, the final solve, so to speak. Um, but in between, there's a bunch of like uh, more shots on goal that are less riskier, but probably not, not going to solve at hundred percent. It could end up being, I'm sorry to talk so much. It could end up being like an AIDS thing where it's a cocktail of four sure. or five different yep. things, yeah. you know, Absolutely. That solving yeah. this. No, I think that's actually, uh, we often have talked about a combinatorial 
multi-combinatorial in two ways, combinatorial to shut down the disease progression. And the other part might be to build back muscle, which I want to get to in a bit, because I think that's, that's actually the, that affects everybody. I mean, yeah. aging is a muscle disease. I tell everybody in an NIH, we always talk about that. Everyone over 35 has a muscle disease. You just have two, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and that's, we're going to help everybody. That's why I think this is, you know, you focus on one thing, but man, I, I was really excited about that. You've grabbed onto that second part, but, um, I just want to get to let you know the kind of impact you've already had because, and again, this is, I was, I was shocked. I went and um, when you came and talked to us, your question to us as academics, and you guys weren't really fond of academics. I remember like, you guys, I was like maybe you weren't there when they were kind of- I don't know. I, I probably didn't know the <laughs> difference at that time. <laughs> well, you know, academics just like to have meetings, academics. The thing about it is academic mentality is different from a pharma mentality. We write grants, we graduate students, we publish papers, you do proof of principle, and then you let someone else take it to clinic. And you came down and you said, can you get this to clinic? Is this real? What, and if so, what are, the, what are the bottlenecks and what are the barriers that you got to clear to get to clinic? Because at the time, we, we had you know, we CRISPR inhibition for FSHD, and, and, um, but it was not clinically relevant. And so you guys, in two years, so I just gave a talk at MDA, and showed what Carice has been doing for the past two years. And, and some pharma companies came up to me afterwards and they were shocked. They were literally shocked. I was shocked that they were shocked. They were like, we've never seen an academic think so correctly about clinic, having mm -hmm. a clinically relevant thing, because who cares if you cure mice? Who cares if you cure stuff? Like, can you cure a person? And I said, well, that we, we never thought about that until you actually put yeah, the challenge. That's, that's really it. thanks to you because you challenged us to do that and it just made it immediate. And then provided some funding to help us <laughs> do it too. <laughs> but, but, that's, but you gotta get, you gotta, but this is what I mean about vision and breaking the mindset and breaking the mold. I mean, you just keep giving academic labs money to have graduate students. You're just gonna create data and stuff, but if you, gotta, you gotta sharpen the goal. We wanna get to clinic. Is this gonna get to clinic? Yes or no. Not does the experiment work. Is it clinically relevant? Will it have impact? Will it change the field? Will it and that's what I think that that's why I think this, I'm so excited about this because that's that's how I review grants at NIH. That's not how foundations review things. Foundations just like, oh, we like this person, we like this stuff, but you guys are looking at it. Is this going to cure FSHD? Is this going to solve a bottleneck? Is this going to clear a barrier? Is this going to clear the path? This is like with the mini pig you're, you're helping us with. You know, these are the this is truly solving FSHD. <laughs> not just supporting it, but you, I mean, so that's why I really like that you're, you've taken the challenge and you're spending your time and it's, yeah. a, I bet it's a time sink, a huge time sink to actually do this. You have a great team assembled, but the, the, you know, this is so much more valuable than just writing a check and letting someone else do it. You know, Peter, what is, um, I should know, but can we keep referring to it? CRO is, is what? Oh, contract research organization. Right. And so, so this this is good for some things and it's dangerous for others because they do exactly what you tell them and what you contract them to do so if you want to do a toxicology study you can hire for example charles river and you can say well here's our molecule here's the tox study we want you to do and they do what you told them to do and they're good for it but sometimes they get used for things that you know it's the only it's they follow exactly what you tell them and, and it's very different from research labs doing this type of thing where you can modify as you go along. You just kind of interpret results. So, so, so I, I think there's some good and some bad from CROs. Um, mm. I, you know, what, now this is an interesting discussion because I think what what I had understood is that uh, people were doing tests all over the world, but because there was no like 
um, standard platform, it was really hard to compare data. And by having a CRO, which is one of the things we're looking at in the low-hanging fruit to fund, that this would actually solve or save a lot of money and get to a solve quicker. Can you talk so, about that? I, th I think you're, it, it's the devil's in the details. And I, I've talked, I don't know, Eva has mentioned this before. And so if you wanted to have, so the problem is, you're right, you do an experiment in our lab with our mice and you do a with molecule X and the molecule Y is done even in our mice, but maybe not, maybe in someone else's mice in someone else's lab. You don't really know how they did it. You know, nothing standardized. You say, which one's better? And you really don't know. Yeah. I mean, my, you know, and so, so the concept of having an FSHD CRO where stand, the best people in the field of FSHD have said, these are the protocols for doing X. These are the protocols for Y. These are the animal models. This is the cell culture model. And now we're going to take our 10 therapeutic approaches and we're going to run them through here. And now we know which ones are, that's a great idea. But that's not what's out there. What's out there is you send a CROX, other CROY, lab this, lab that, and you end up with a bunch of data that you can't compare. So at the end result, you still don't know which one worked better. Right, <laughs> right. So right. I think that's a great idea. And that's not so low hanging for that. Maybe it's low because it's uh, it's not so obvious, I think, but it, it's it's that would be incredibly impactful in my opinion. Well, these things that are not really profit-based, it's very hard for people to make money at. I think this is where we're looking at giving grants as opposed to, you know, small companies, which is where we would want to invest in them. And getting back to that philanthropic venture um, part of it, to be able to invest and then get a return, if it is successful in any way from a royalty or a multiple of the investment, and then being able to reinvest it back into solve FSHD to, you know, because I think ultimately we're going to want to figure out how to take all this um, fibrous fat that our muscle yeah. has turned to and how to either get rid of it or, or turn it back. No, that's exactly right. And so, <laughs> so you've, you've hit on it in that a CRO is incredibly expensive. You know, because they're making money, they're profit for profit things, right? So a lot of lot of companies come to our lab and go to other labs with their molecule. And again, that's kind of a pain for our lab. We don't get a lot out of it. We're helping them out. We can do it a lot cheaper. It comes down to cost, but then you have it's not powered necessarily great. So actually having a centralized place that doesn't have to turn a huge profit, you know, that is actually managed by people who know this disease. Not like every, not a little bit about mice, but FSHD, you know, it. I mean, we, we've talked FSHD enough, you know, that is a complicated disease. You, you yes, got. it is. Yeah, definitely. And so there's yeah. a lot of pitfalls. I mean, I felt like Fascio fell into these pitfalls. I feel a lot of pharma falls into the pitfalls because it doesn't track with your, your playbook on how to do small molecule research or how to do animal research. And um, so FSHD focused stuff, I think is really what you have to do in, in this case. It's, well, I know just enough to be dangerous, and I <laughs> certainly listen to you increase uh, listen to the coaching. <laughs> well, that's no, good, but you know, it's good we listen. We ask, you know, because that's the thing you got to listen to. It's a two-part thing. You know, you ask your job is to ask questions too, right? I mean, ask us questions, and and we try to give unbiased responses. So I think that so so I like that. And so the other thing I think I really like that my understanding. I haven't seen the full team you've put together with Salt. But you're bringing in a lot of outside expertise. It's not just, you know, everybody has the same SAB, the same people making the same eyes on the same problems. And you're not doing that. Well, I, when we started out, our, our initial purpose was to solve FSHD by December 31st, 2027. And as we, we got into this, we quickly 
discovered that maybe there's another possibility, and that is uh, regenerating muscle faster than the Dux4 protein was eating our muscle, if I can put it in layman's sure. terms. Oh, sure. yeah. And um, <clears throat> seeing what the U.S. military is doing about rebuilding muscle for, you know, blowing, blowing up muscle and, you know, where they... Like, someone might have 70% of their muscle missing in a, in a hamstring or something like that. Um, and, and seeing what, you know, people are looking at in stem cells, pluripotent stem cells that are coming from placenta or uh, um, um, umbilical cords and seeing, well, if you inject that straight into a muscle or you give it an IV, like, can we create an environment for the muscle to, to, to grow that is maybe, um, you know, it's just like planting a garden. It's, it's, you know, giving it the right fertilizer. Can, can we slow the process down? Can we do anything until someone like a CRISPR or something can give us the ultimate solve? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, the issue is it's going to be variable among just kind of my, my take on it is, you know, there's, it's going to be different for different people because you're planting a garden. Sometimes you're planting it in pretty good soil and sometimes you're planting it in a sandbox, you know? And, and the question is, what do you need to make it work? And so, my, my, and so again, this gets to where some of the models that we have are kind of interesting because we think of modeling disease to look for therapeutics, but actually I think modeling disease to figure out how to make a non-toxic environment. Because if you're all fat and fibrotic in a muscle and you put in stem cells, they might just die off. But if you, maybe there's a way to make it work. Yeah. You can't just, you know, so, so uh, you know, this, this concept, first of all, is great. You know, the idea of, you know, I remember you saying one time it took me 60 years to kind of lose a muscle. It's just going to be 60 more years and I'm good, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, there's, you know, there's something to that, right? On a certain level. Um, the question is, are you starting where you were and where are you starting on the path of destruction? So can you actually do this? But, you know, this is just as far as I'm aware, you know, people have talked kind of self therapy and stuff in FSHD, but it's really been on the outskirts, on the fringe. Um, but this is really, you know, the, there is amazing stuff being done from building muscle out there. New technology is always coming around and thinking of getting these people involved in FSHD, you know, that's, you know, that's, and, and again, aging, because <laughs> it's aging is a little different because you have a healthy environment, you're just losing muscle mass. You have an unhealthy environment and you're losing health muscle mass, but maybe there's something that can be done. Well, especially when you consider all the drugs are out there in the world, if, you know, if, if we can figure out how as people age that they can keep their muscle, and I'm pretty, sh I'm pretty clear that we can maybe we will solve this probably in the next 20 years for sure, but then people have to actually work on their muscle. You can't just like, you just can't like, you know, put something in there and, and have muscle think you can have muscle grow without it being used so i think that's a mindset a lot of people haven't haven't got their head around um but i you know if you looked at the if we can solve this and people can keep their balance for another 10 15 years they don't fall down they don't die which is seems to be a big thing i think they could be one of the biggest longevity drugs of all time I'm going to, I got a, I had a, I had a patient just on this type, type of topic, a patient, um, Caroline from uh, Canada sent in a voice message. I wanted to, I'm just going to see if I can play her question. I, I told her if they said a good question, I'd play it to you. See what okay. you think, okay? To Dr. Jones, thank you for the informative podcast and for Chip Wilson, 
Greetings from North Vancouver, and thank you for starting Solve FSHD. As a patient, I am hopeful that the injection of cash, along with your business acumen, will take us collectively across the finish line to finding a cure or effective treatment. I liked your interview with the Financial Post and specifically your experience with the gross grind. So in that vein, is it your personal experience that medical and health practitioners know nothing about FSHD and that because of that, exercise is undervalued and not prescribed more to FSHD patients? It seems to me that having access to exercise programs of varying levels would be beneficial to keep us all in the best condition possible while we wait for you all to fix us. So I think that's kind of along those lines, right? Of uh, exactly what you're talking about, you know, use what you got. Well, I think what I also heard in there, and hopefully maybe it's, maybe I'm wrong, but I really think people need to be responsible. Like they, you know, we kind of live in a world where we think, oh, something's wrong. The government should help us out. You know, and there should be someone else should supply the program. Someone else should do this. Someone, I mean, I'm I'm very clear. And well, first off, I'm very lucky to have a disease and actually be able to do something about it. And I recognize I'm one of the few people in the world that that is in that position. It makes me quite positive. I believe that because there's such a uh, a connection between skeletal, muscular, and vascular that it's up to me to make sure that I'm in constant motion. I go to the weight, I go do weights. I mean, I, I probably look stupid in there in the weight room because I've got everything on one, you know, on, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm going through all the motions that I'm trying to do like 40 or 50 reps. And, uh, and I'm very clear now, which I wish I was clear about five years ago, that my goal is not to break down my muscle anymore. I, I sensed because I was an athlete all my life that you break down muscle in order to build more muscle, but I don't think I have any more muscle to break down. I don't think it's coming back fast enough. So my goal now is to keep the blood pumping in the area to keep, put some pressure on my skeletal. So my skeletal stays strong and to have the, the nerve connection actually stay in the muscle as long as I possibly can till we can get to a solve. So, so it's kind of interesting, though, because, you know, I talk to a lot of patients who tell me about they get all sorts of variable advice from their physician. Some people tell them, oh, you don't want to do anything. Some people tell them, keep going. I, there's an interesting thing. One of the, the, our friends, you know, has very strong facial impact in his family. And he said his kid, you know, they said, oh, don't do don't play instruments. He's got his kid playing trumpet. And his, his face is now strong as can be, you know, it's kind of like it went against what the MDs were telling because everyone's so worried about, oh, you're going to break down muscle. It's like, yeah, use it or lose it. And, and so, you know, this, I, I think some of this is education to say, you know what, there's a, there is a level of exercise and activity that you can do that's beneficial. You don't want to go crazy, as you said, you know, because you do break down and there's certain, I remember Dr. Day talking about certain types of exercise can be, you know, there's some that are more damaging than others, you know, and, and so swimming's good. Well, you are a champion swimmer, if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. You know, so certain things you can do, you got to keep using it. And so making sure the medical community has an idea. Well, and also people, maybe just the people need to know that it is their responsibility to keep, keep going as best they can. Well, what I hear about that trumpet player, um, I think we're, we're very clear that the FSHD hits different muscles that hits one side, not the other, but the body is amazing as far as compensating. I mean, I, I, 
I doubt 10 years ago, if I had all my muscles that were gone now, I could even walk down the street, but I'm sure I'm, you know, other muscles have built up or somehow I'm doing it. I suspect with this uh, person that was doing trumpet, there's probably muscles somewhere in the facial that, that weren't affected by the muscular dystrophy. And I bet you that those muscles have taken over. And I bet you that brain, the synapses and the nerve connection between the brain and those muscles have taken over from the areas where the FSHD is affected. The, the brain's very, plas you know, the plasticity of the brain's phenomenal. And I do know, like, if people are born uh, blind, then the all the other senses kind of move their nerves into right, those yeah. parts of the brain and take over. And I and I think that's how I, I look at it. Well, right. But that's the same. But it's just, you know, but the compensation as you can do it and getting that compensation to do the only way you're going to get that is by doing some exercise or doing some activity on a certain level. So then, it, yeah, it doesn't bring back. And that's actually something that I, again, talking with people, it's not bringing back a muscle that's gone. It's so whether it's strengthening your compensatory mechanisms right. or, you know, so it's basically essentially as, as you were saying. So I think it, it, it's just not as, um, I don't know if people get depressed or what your feeling was when you, I think people respond differently, but the idea of, um, keep, keep going as you can. And, um, it'd be a, the better shape you're in when we come with the cure and when the field comes with the cure, the better off you're going to be. That's just the bottom line. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've uh, listened to anything by a Dr. Mark Hy Hyman. Have you, he, no, he I don't know. In, uh, the epigenetics field and just how, you know, I'm very clear that diet and, um, and my outlook on life affect the way that my gene ex my genes are expressed. And, um, so, you know, I just keep moving and I just, and I have the most positive attitude about life. I know the minute if I ever got negative about my FSHD, I think it's just a, a rowboat going over that waterfall. And if I can stay positive about it and keep rowing on top of the water, I'm, it's a way better position. And I find, you know, every minute of life is a life and, and, uh, and I'm not willing to kind of give in to that other side, the dark side of disease. <laughs> That's exactly what epigenetics is. It integrates the environment into your genome. It is stress, it is sleep, it is diet, it is all these things. Exactly. That's what we are is epigenetics, but with Carice is a muscle person. I'm an epigenetics person. Yeah. And um, but that's exactly right. It's I I believe that these things do actually, well, we know that they play in into gene expression and the things, and and you know, it's so that's that's fantastic. I think that I, I think your your cheerful attitude is is um, easier to say than do, and I, I'm just so impressed that you can do it. And it's it's fantastic advice for all of us, not just FSHD patients. Exactly. But I think what people forget is we're all going to be patients of something at some point <laughs> before our time here is done. You know, and uh, and we, we 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 all need to keep that in mind always. That's what I tell people when I give talks. I said, everyone in the room's got something. You don't yeah. even know what you got. Com humans are complicated, but it's hard to tell someone. Let me don't ask you a question. Let me ask you a far out question then. Okay. Or as Dr. Day would say, trippy, because they all came from Berkeley. But anyway, <laughs> um, if it, I'm going to propose that I always had the propensity for FSHD. And at some point in my life, when I was about 27 to 30, you know, um, stress or, or either in business or relationships or food or whatever kind of took over and, and my, and FSHD got expressed. Okay. So now I have it. Can I, through the same, the opposite kind of 
mental uh, desire change the epigenetics and stop it? Can I reverse it? Will that ever, do you think we're going to ever get to that point? Well, we're trying to do that with CRISPR inhibition. That's 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 really the the fundamental goal is to to change the epigenetic dysfunction of the region. Um, whether you can do it through your own uh, mental state and emotional state and uh, and and diet and things like that, it's possible. Anything is possible. It's just uh, you know none of us have have any idea how to how to accomplish that. But uh, yeah, but you know you you know we were talking about this right, Chris. I mean, it's kind of a stress response. So. So the yeah. thing about FSHD is most of your cells are not expressing Dux4, but you're probably expressing a little bit through your whole life. You were genetically FSHD when you were born, but right, so it's kind of a stress, right? And we talked about this in lab, right? You stress the cells and they express Dux4. It seems like almost any way you stress them, right? Isn't that what you and Takako were saying? Yeah, yeah, but uh, getting rid of stress as an organism is a more difficult. No, 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 I'm not thinking about it as a cure. I'm thinking about it as a disease driver. Oh, yeah. That, that, so we hear this all the time. I got Lyme disease and then I got FSHD. I got a really nasty flu and then I had FSHD. Right. I had got started by a jellyfish. Some other, yeah, some stressful you know, problem. Nope. Yeah. And you talk to enough patients, they'll say, I lost my job and then my FSHD got worse. I had a yeah. divorce and my FSHD got worse. And, and so and I th I'm thinking of it maybe in a little bit different way that I, I believe that there are triggers yeah, yeah. to the pathology. Right. Well, your mouse model, I mean, that's, that's the case, right? You injure your mouse model and uh, duct spore gets expressed in oh, cells that are differentiating, which is a kind of stress. You're withdrawing growth factors in those muscle cells and, and they assault on differentiating and duct spore gets expressed. So yeah, cellular sources of stress. Absolutely. I think so, uh, pathology, so maybe not in a response to you can think your way to getting better, but I think that you can prevent yourself from getting worse faster. By reducing no. sources of stress. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the true diet. for everything. cancer. I mean, we know that. Yeah, absolutely. But, and I think that's exactly right. I think that that is where that, that you're, on a, you're on an epigenetic dial and some muscles are there and some are going bad. Why do we know this and why not? But I, I just hear it all the time of some stresses or insults to the system. Then you, then you crash, you know, you're plateauing. And, and I just, you know, the question, and one of the big questions in FSHD is why does this muscle suddenly start to go bad? And why does this right. one not go bad? And again, maybe they're all under the same stress, but I, I believe there's triggers. We, we wrote a grant on this and maybe they just laughed at us. So, but I, be, I believe there's actually triggers and, and these types of environmental things cause the ball, more balls to go downhill faster, make it get worse faster. So that if you can stop that from triggering, at least you slow down Right, the progression. Yeah. You may not reverse it because that's a tough thing. Epigenetics is hard to, but you can probably, you know, at least reverse it naturally. But I think that you can stop, you can actually use this sort of mentality and approach to slow it down, in my opinion. That's so. Yeah, it's my opinion too. Well, you know what? I've got no other choice. Yeah. <laughs> Even a choice. Right. It's like, this is what yeah. I'm going to do because the other, I know the other way isn't going to work and it's not very much fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no way to live. Yeah, so no, there's so I kind of want to get to um, you know, so this is you know, FSHD, you solve FSHD at you know, it's fantastic for FSHDers around the world. Um, but you know, I thought the the aging aspect of it, you know, again, getting back to this building muscle, but but also, you know, that's you know for FSHD, but again, everybody, you know, aging is um is uh it's an issue we all have, I and mean, that's the disease we all have, and and it, a lot of it really is muscle muscle just going away and um you know it just strikes me that that that's on your radar of that is i was just really thrilled to see that so well and i and i i think it came by mistake i you know when you know one i had to to put the 
the hundred million dollar prize out there, I had to go get, you know, the, a, a great scientist like Eva Chen, who's running Solveth HD, had to get enough publicity out there and then go like, here, we're open for business. Who's got a idea that they'd like to try, but is, you know, the funding of their company is, is focused on something else. Well, if we provided funding of, uh, to you, could you do a parallel study on FSHD? And a lot of these things are built on, you know, regenerating the muscle. And, um, and I think that it would make sense to me if I was a pharma company, I could solve FSHD, but at the same time, I could just I could get a drug that would regenerate muscle. That would be like, you know, the $10 trillion drug. <laughs> Well, you look at even like, like I'm, it's amazing to me, like an SMA and it's a, you know, it's a pretty rare disease. And, you know, they were able to sell that drug, the royalty, that drug, I think for three to $4 billion, just the royalty on it. And you think if you can get a drug that can add, you know, like 20, 25% muscle mass or, or keep our muscle mass of, at 45 all the way through to 150, I mean, that is a $4 trillion drug. No, that, but that's exactly right because one of you know you kind of pharma companies got to do the math. There's seven thousand rare diseases out there, and then there's all the common diseases they want to work on, and there is some financial aspect to pharma company getting an FSHD. How many people have it? That's one of the reasons we did my FSHD is we want to. I believe it's way underdiagnosed, but it gets to the idea of is it profitable to get into FSHD work? And if and so building a platform that goes beyond FSHD, a platform drug beyond FSHD. You know, that's of course going to be attract a, a whole bunch of new interest to the space. Well, I think we're going to learn a lot by solving FSHD. That's that's going to add to that um, muscle regeneration. Oh, that's fantastic! And and the thing, you know, and you know, we talk to people with the disease, and again, the first, you know, slowing it down and stopping progression is just part one. Getting, I think people have this vision. I've had I've had patients tell me they have this vision and sometimes their parents that it's almost like a Avengers. They're going to take the pill and they're just going to suddenly be back and they'll be walking around and snowboarding and doing everything. And it's like, that would be great. But that's, that's almost like step two, right? That yeah. is, yeah, that's stopped progression. And some people, I think you will be able to start building back, but we do want to get people back to where they, they need to be. That that's the goal. Right. 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 I'm, I'm with you, Peter. <laughs> I, know, I, just, <laughs> I just love it. I'm just not sure everybody, people get so far. It's, it's just interesting. I just have a little, you know, the perspective out there that um, it's just, you know, it's on managing expectations, you know, and mm. because I think when they're promised a cure, people have a different idea on what that means or promised a therapy, you have a different uh, demeanor. Well, let me just ask you, what is, so when a, a cure by 2027, what does that mean to you? Well, as I said, our, our original goal was to solve FSHD by December 31st, 2027. And then we, as we got the information, we quickly amended it to, to say, um, and or regenerating the muscle faster than it's depleting. So either one. Okay. So either either one. I want both. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, yeah, both doesn't matter to us. It's the end goal is that we want to be able to get a plate off of the top shelf and not yeah, drop it. Absolutely right. That's a functional, a functional endpoint is the end thing. Hey, yeah. let, me, let me ask you about, so can I ask you about this X prize that you got going on there? That's sure. a, so I'm kind of curious. I don't know. What do you think about the X prize, Chris? What, uh, 
Well, you know, it's like Chip said about uh, throwing money at people. You give people too much money. And if you promise people huge amounts of money, they will do anything uh, to get it, um, whether they're qualified or not, whether they're capable or not. And they will sell you things and they will lie. So, you know, it, as long as you can wade your way through that, it's a great incentive. You know, I love competition among uh, among people and competition, um, you know, for prizes. It, uh, it, it can be a powerful driving force, but uh there's also dangers and pitfalls that's 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 my feeling yeah uh, where to come from and what, what yeah just can you tell talk a little bit about what exactly is the x prize i'm still not fully clear on it yet what's yeah. going on well it, it really uh i'm sure it's been done all over um i think the first one would have been Lindbergh uh flying across the ocean right so what happens when you put up a prize you get a you get a bunch of people, like if the prize, let's say it's $10 million, you get people putting in 15, 20, $30 million and, and you get maybe 15, 20 companies or people doing it. So now suddenly a $10 million prize turns into $200 million being put into it to get it to get across the ocean. I don't know what the prize was at the time, sure. but you get the picture like he won and he got the prize and way more put and put into technology, research, um, you know, risk, everything else. And so a small price can actually, you know, reap large rewards. Now, the thing about a prize is that it creates competition. Human beings are naturally competitive, as Carice said, and they want to win. Um, by, by setting up a prize, it can be done in the right way where it, really what you have to do is you have to ask the right question and and then you have to say, you know, very clear metrics on what has to be solved to have it happen. And you, what ends up happening is that you end up with, let's say, 100 people actually applying to kind of come into the prize process. Um, there may be a year goes by, and then at that time, then many people fall out. You take the rest of them, and you might put three or four different groups together that look like they have the highest possibility of winning. So, um, so then, then actually there's a, a funding at that point out of the big prize that would have these teams move forward. And so now you have fewer, maybe then at that point you have 10 teams down from 100, 100 people. Now you have 10 teams of maybe four or five people that all have an expertise to get to the other side. Now, the other thing it does, let's just go to the oil spill part. So that it was like um, uh, how, you know, I think it was framed something like the most efficient way to clean up oil spills in the ocean. Well, of course, there's a whole bunch of scientists. Everyone else is doing a whole bunch of things, but you never know what's out there in left field. Like people actually have a solve, but nobody's ever known or had the incentive to, to move into oil spills. So who ends up winning it? It was a, it was a, a hair a hair salon that had figured out how to use hair in order to clean up oil inside of their sink. So by now, I was actually talking to a woman yesterday who sold, I don't know, like 12 inches of her hair and gave it away. As a sponge. Order, yeah, it's as a sponge that goes into some kind of net. They clean it up and it works like a dream. So... These are the types of things like we don't know what we don't know. We don't know who has 
an idea that can come out of left field. So that's, that's what the prize That's is. really interesting. So one of the things that makes science a little bit different from those other examples is, um, while science is a very competitive uh, field, um, it also sort of thrives and, and um, requires uh, cooperation among labs with, for, for resources and things like this, uh, you know, animal models, tools, various things. Um, would you require all your applicants to the X Prize at the earliest stages to share reagents? And if they don't, or they withhold, then are they, they booted share, out? They share, I'm sorry, they share what, Chris? They share reagents. So all the scientists that are going to compete for your X Prize, are they required oh, to, to share the tools that they have with each other? No, um, only within, as you put groups together. Okay, so once you've kind of winnowed it down, then... Uh, well, I think that's yeah. important, right? I mean, everyone says, oh, everybody has to share, but not everybody, that's actually not a great idea, in my opinion. <laughs> you, you kind of, I actually independent things going forward, figure out what works. You have your own technology, your own IP, and you figure it out. And then you, then at a certain level, you, there's certain things that are broadly shared, but certain things are just, you just have to have your own path. Well, yeah. I think it's pretty clear that, the, that in order to get to the end for someone to actually win it, that someone's got a great idea, but there's a bottleneck that they have, which it can, if they do, if they are connected with somebody else, then that, then they can be, be a team and solve yeah. it and get the prize. Right, so right. I think that's where it comes well, in. Right. Anybody who's listened to my podcast knows that it's very important to pick who you play with. There's, yeah. You got to be able to pick your own team and you got to, cause there's, you know, it's, a, you need to be like, like aligned mentally, like aligned in how you think about science. It's great to have different viewpoints, but there's certain alignment and not everybody's a great team player. So, so that's great to hear that you're able to, that was actually one of my questions. Just like, I want to make sure, you know, we're going to do what we're going to do X prize or not, but um, we're, you know, we pick our team and we're very careful on who we work with and who we don't. And um, we're thrilled to be working with, with you guys, I got to tell you. Um, um, I'm not sure how long we got you for, because I'll talk forever. I got to watch out. Um, Let's say another five minutes. I probably have a one o'clock. Okay, well, I, I'm going to get a little bit off the red, a little bit different. Um, you know, we I could talk to you forever about things, but I actually I told Chris about this. And sorry, this is going to be a kind of a non-FSHD thing. This is just a Chip Wilson thing. Okay. April, you know, this is March 30th. We aren't going to air this till April 6th. I know that you got, you're kind of a jokester for April Fools and you've told me some great stories. I told Chris, you've told me some great stories. I haven't told her the stories, but you got something planned you can share with us coming up or do you want to share something you've done in the past just to give an insight on kind of the clever <laughs> Chip Wilson? I, I loved them. Yeah, I just thought they were great. I've heard you got some great April Fools jokes that you've uh, played on people. It's really important, you know, to have a joke that people can can think is is believable and right now i'm gonna i'm i'm in i have an interim president that is actually from montreal and um and he's been you know living half time in montreal and half time here and i and um i thought i would put out an email tomorrow morning saying something to the effect of um as you know i've i've been quiet the last two months and we've you know have a new president from montreal i've been um, we've been working on a deal, uh, and it's finally come to fruition. And uh, and Hold It All is going to buy um, a, a major um, stake in the, in the company Pornhub out of <laughs> out of Montreal. Uh, we'll be developing real estate there in the, in the near future. <laughs> anyway, you've got to make it so totally plausible, right? And of course, it's the last thing in the world we would do. But <laughs> I think. I think it would like you can see where where it's plausible enough where people would actually stop and believe that we would actually do it. 
you know, and had people actually be totally appalled. That's, this is part of your philanthropic mission, Chip. <laughs> and for, for people, for people who don't know and and say that um, you've waited too long to throw money into FSHD, I just want to say it's not like you've been doing nothing. Um, you have poured millions of dollars into things that the world at large. Uh, would consider to be bigger problems than FSHD. You know, you're building schools, hundreds of schools, educating girls in Ethiopia, um, saving the environment, you know, things like that. Um, one could easily say that you've been helping the world for years and now you're finally doing something to help yourself. So um, we're, just, we're just thrilled. Yeah, and, <laughs> right. that's, that's it's important too. Well, I think it's a little we're bit really about, being, about being Canadian is that, you know, it's a different culture than the American thing where we would never... You know, we never really feel like we have to be in front of anything. But the fact of the matter is the world's changed with social media. Yeah. You know, like the, the you know, the, the weakest link can look very strong and they can make themselves sound like they're right. Yeah, and the loudest so, link. Yeah, that's right. Unfortunately, this philanthropy of, um, of being, um, um, you know, silent and, and being, you know, doing the right thing for society is no longer available because everyone's trying to chop down the, the tallest poppy. Yeah, that's absolutely true. That is true. And I actually have a question for you about that. And uh, I'm just curious for myself, uh, you know, you've been obviously very successful and, and in the public eye for, you know, quite some time. When people get things wrong, um, as they inevitably will, do you think it's worth trying to correct misapprehensions? Or is that just a battle that no one can ever win? Well, it doesn't seem to be a battle that can win because I think people actually like are righteous and they feel like uh, it's it gives so many people power to go on social media and and have and move society um with uh with a false accusation yeah yeah um again i i'm coming back to i wish i didn't have to be public with um my philanthropy but i think it's it's the, it's really the only way to have people that are willing to believe um uh the the negative commenters you know to offset it it's kind of a game now i actually you know and you can say whatever he is when about trump i think that he maybe was the right person at the right time given the technology and social media and how social media was you know had taken over from the regular media where if someone was to say something about republicans or trump that um that if trump had it where you come back immediately and you come back twice as strong with 10 times a bigger lie because then what happens is that whatever he said then would go to top of the google search and drown <laughs> out the other lie so it just lies upon lies upon lies but this is the world we live in now and uh and i wherever there's a problem there's an opportunity and i feel free enterprise will figure out this opportunity quite frankly and this is what's beautiful about what we're doing right now i sense it's podcasts it's long form news where you can go directly to the person yep. and directly to the news without an intermediary yeah that's true and i think this is the only truth that uh, exists in the world right now yeah direct sources of information. I really appreciate that. People have loved the podcast. This was your, again, this was your idea. You're the one who said, you got to do a podcast. I don't have time to flip through all the, you know, you're on the move all the time. So we're doing this because you suggested it. Other people said, yeah, that's a good idea. I think you're spot on. 
um, free enterprise. We're a believer in that. And I'll tell you, this administration has continued the at the U.S. has continued that uh, path of bigger lies on top of more lies, too. So <laughs> unfortunately, that seems to be <laughs> universal politics. Our lives are better than your lives. Anyway, I, I know you got to go. I um, really appreciate you. We look forward to seeing you in a few weeks. And really, you know, the whole FSHG community appreciates there's yeah. so much positive out there. People yeah. focus on negative, so much positive people saying thank you. And the research community, I, I think this is a great way to go. And I, I think this is we're on the right track, man. Really yeah. appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you so much. Well, I just I just like having both of you as friends. Thank you so much. No, we appreciate it. All right. right here. Absolutely. Right. Catch you later. Right. Take care. All right, so there you go. I hope you like that. I really appreciate Chip taking time out of his uh, extremely busy schedule, you know, with business, with with life, but and also you know the solve FSHD. He's he's deeply involved in that, and that is a huge time commitment. And it's really important that the people committed, uh, you know, to uh, finding the cure. You know, he's committed financially, but time wise, he's hired some fantastic people. They have a great advisory board, and that uh, you know we can have new new vision and um, hopefully bigger impact. You know we've had some great impact. You know everyone everyone plays a role. Everything every foundation has a role. Um, researchers, you know, we all everybody plays their part. And I think this is a very important um, new part that is going to fill fill the gap. And and I, I hope it gets us over the edge. I think it will. I think combined, not just one thing itself, but the whole combined FSHD community now, I think we have the tools and the resources um, and the motivation and the leadership to get us over the edge. And, uh, with, and by that, I mean a cure and a therapy, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, we want to stop ducks for expression and and build your muscle back. We want to do both, right? That's That's the vision. Okay, and and doing the things necessary to take that. So really appreciate it, Chip. Thank you, Carice, for taking time out of your um, Hawaiian holiday. I know you you had to run off with your your parents to to go somewhere right afterwards. But um, tune in next week. Uh, honestly, I don't know what our topic is going to be yet next week. Um, we got so many um, interesting things uh, and people to talk to. Um, but I guarantee it'll be something interesting. And then you can tune in Saturday, and we'll address what's going on during the week. Um, so. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe. And remember, we got about 10, 10 episodes now. So look at some of the back ones. There's some pretty cool stuff. And we'll try to get better at keeping it short. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Catch you later.